thus begins another episode of the Great Blight Way. Uh, hi everybody, I'm Ryan Kenny, and not with us this week is Caitlin Looney, who is on her deathbed, I think. But this week we have a very special guest in, do you want Gabriel or Gabe? I'll go by Gabriel. Gabriel Gundecker is here with us tonight, or this afternoon, whatever time it is. And um, we have a really special movie to talk about. Yes, speaking of deathbed. Yeah, absolutely speaking of deathbed. Mm -hmm. Would you like to introduce the movie for us? Oh, yes. So, the year is 1979, roughly, I think. Yeah, 79. Yes, exactly, actually. And the movie is All That Jazz, directed by Bob Fosse. The one and only. I want to say semi-autobiographical, but why not just say autobiographical? <laughs> yeah, I would not say semi. I watched this movie yesterday, and as I told you already, I tried to take notes during it. But after the first scene, and I saw that there was like more than like ten cuts in two seconds, I said, mm-hmm. All right, I can't take notes, I'm going to miss too much stuff. That was actually my first note, was how many cuts there were. <laughs> yeah, there was like... Cr- it was it's, insane. It's, as most movies from the 70s, you realize that these movies are just edited to perfection and also have the most editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie is a great example of some of the great stuff that came out of the 70s. And this is... It's actually a plot point. Well, that's, that's how crazy meta this movie is yeah. is that the editing is a plot point within the movie yeah the comment on him editing Lenny yeah and how quick cut because I remember thinking man there's so many edits and so many crashes and so many weird shots and you know shots without sound effects that like the cut you know like instead of hearing it or whatever yeah and then you hear that line and it's it makes sense oh so meta it it's some of the best pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. Yes. And like all the movies you talk about in The Great Blight Way, it is a musical. It is absolutely a musical. Because uh, I think all but two of Bob Fosse's movies are musicals. Um, two of them are adaptations. This is an original piece. And then he has Lenny and then um, Star 80. Star 80, yeah. Which uh, I have not seen. No, but I was talking about it with our mutual friend, Jen. Mm-hmm. And Great friend. Yes. <laughs> we were talking about uh, how, was it either that that killed his career, or was it the heart attack that killed his career? But we ended up saying that the heart attack killed him. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm pulling up all my stuff and all that jazz, because yesterday I, told, I was talking to my mom, and she said, God, I love Rob Schneider in that movie. And I said, <laughs> it's wrong. And so now yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to make the same mistake. So to make sure that it's Roy Schneider. I have a very Roy good... Roy Schneider, excuse me. Very pertinent piece of trivia about all that jazz. Yes. If you might know. I So it stars Roy Scheider, yes. who is also the lead in my favorite film of all time, Jaws. Um, <laughs> but at one point, attached to starring all that jazz was Richard Dreyfus. No. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yes, he was. And then he couldn't sing, so he didn't do it. Wow. Which didn't really matter because Roy Scheider <laughs> couldn't really sing either. Couldn't really sing either. He kind of yeah. sounds like he's like yawning at bye, the end. Bye, <laughs> bye, It's interesting stuff. Um, this movie is about uh, Roy Scheider playing a very close version of Bob Fosse named mm-hmm. Joe Gideon, and it's about him editing a, a movie about a stand-up comic and also at the same time trying to direct. A, broad, a big Broadway musical, which in reality it's about 
Bob Fosse editing Lenny and directing Chicago. Um, which, if this is all tr true, I can't believe Chicago went through all that, like, this mess to just get on stage. Yeah. And of course, didn't, the original production of Chicago didn't run very long. It's a very infamous production. Also, he didn't die. die. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't have a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you have to fill me in. So, so he did have a heart attack while directing Chicago? He did. Um, they didn't close the show. He came back and finished it. Uh, and John Lithgow did not direct no, Chicago. No, John Lithgow did not direct Chicago. Uh, that was there's some crazy theater cameo, like theater and movie cameos in this movie. Like Wallace Shawn was my favorite, even though he wasn't like a big celebrity then yet. But I was just like Wallace Shawn. <laughs> Who is the Who's the guy hosting like Midnight Special at the end? Uh, ben Vereen. Yeah. 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 That's. Another, he was one of Bob Fosse's muses. He had many muses, but Ben Reem was certainly one of them. He's, I know him from a kid's show. I didn't know. So what, what else? I've, honestly, I'm only familiar with uh, Cabaret. Yeah. And then the Academy Award winning sh remake, Chicago. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, sort of fill, fill us in on the life of Bob Fosse. He started off as a dancer in Hollywood movies and went to... New York and started choreographing shows like The Pajama Game and Damn Yankees and then became a very prominent director with um, Little Me with Sid Caesar and then did Sweet Charity and then everything was big after that. Um, and then he just got more, I don't want to say crazy, but his artistic endeavors became very specific mm -hmm. and more Bob Fosse. So you see things like Pippin in Chicago and you you see the, the regular Bob Fosse moves in those. Yeah. And then... You see all of that in this movie. All of that. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, I just lost my train of thought. But that's what the, the movie's about, that period of time in his life. And we see this sort of great piece that Bob Fosse made in talking about like the, the life of an artist and how hard it is. I think it's one of the best movies to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's one of the great show business movies. I'll I'll say that as well. <laughs> it, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it really blew my mind because it is such a meta movie. Yeah, like, I don't think I've ever seen anything this meta, also this old. Mm -hmm. um, because he's he makes a fake Chicago opening number. And it's amazing. Yeah. And now I'm putting together, like, oh, the show was Chicago because the, the name of the show that he's directing is a city name. L.A. to New York? Or New York? L.A. or whatever yeah, yeah. it's called. Um, so he's really did not hide much in this movie. No. In his, like, version of his life. And I wonder what, what caused him to, I mean, he's not here anymore to talk about it, but I wonder what caused him to just say, I want to basically kill myself in a movie. Yeah. I also wonder... And it's crazy that he saw that far, that he knew he was going to have another heart attack and, and die. Well, I, I guess he sort of... He, he could have willed it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, that's true. Um, but I, I wonder what other directors or, or would... Their movies would look like if they made a movie this meta. Yeah. Because it really is... I think that's why it's so good is that it's... 
it's so earnest, even though it's absolutely. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know much about the definition of uh, realism, but that yeah. one, one of the things I don't like often about most musicals is that's what they're lacking that a level of honesty. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, the reason I like Bob Fosse so much is that the it's you know it's it has all the the height you know the heightening and the the broad uh, aspects of yeah. musicals, but the subject matter is usually uh, really real or it's using that sort of ironically. Yeah, and we haven't talked about his other musical movies on this show yet. We haven't done Sweet Charity or Cabaret, but you see that in both of those movies, especially in Cabaret, I yeah. think. Um, and that's one of the great movie musicals as well. And also a total reinvention of that material. But um, this is one of the many movies that also pulls... I, th I would say this, and I guess Stardust Memories, the, they pull so much from Eight and a Half. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's what makes this movie so unique. It's that it's, it's one of the first times... Uh, American directors were really reaching for that Fellini-like touch. Um, yeah. Um, I've, I'll tell you, I've seen Stardust Memories. Yeah. I've seen all that jazz. I have never seen <laughs> Eight and a Half. half. It's so. okay. I find it boring, but it's, it, it's when you see it, you go, oh my God, it's in that movie, it's in that movie. I've seen the first four minutes of Eight and a Half, I think, three times. Okay. I started on Netflix and I decided... I don't think I'm ready for this. Yeah, I, I've seen it twice, and I, I'm not crazy about it, but I understand why it's, its impact is so huge. For sure, yeah. Yeah. I guess let's start off talking about our, our favorite moments of this movie. Uh, my favorite, because the first time I ever saw this movie, the thing that stuck out the most is when they play the... Come, what's it called? I want to say come fly away, but it's not called that. Uh, take off with us. Take off with us. Um, and they do the. He creates this number of this, like this really not great song, but he makes it this erotic dance piece and makes a mockery of it at the same time. And I remember that, and that's one of my favorite moments of the movie. Mm -hmm. After my watch yesterday, I think my favorite moment is the hospital hallucinations, but yeah, I would definitely say the erotica, as they call it. I that that move that moment, the takeoff of this moment, speaks to me because I don't necessarily resonate with the uh, erotica yeah. aspect of it, <laughs> but I <laughs> but I love the idea of what I really relate to is he's identifying what I like so much about Cabaret. Yeah. And he's so self-aware you know, self about it, is that, like, uh, usually musicals are so surface. Yeah. And you don't really have to change the source material to find, like, the... Deeper meaning. The deeper meaning in the musical. And that's why I love that uh, moment so well. It's because he's identifying for me what, you know, what I like about it. Yeah, I have to do it. Um... Is that is that would you say that's your favorite moment of the movie as well? Or my favorite moment of the movie? There are this movie is so amazing. Yeah. That there are too many moments to talk about, but if we could narrow it down to like one or two, it. I mean, for me, it's obvious. It's the last like seven minutes of the movie. Ugh. The bye bye life. 
it's just so crazy and they're all all the people from his life are there and I, I was like in tears yeah he's saying goodbye to them all and it's beautiful but also the guys describe it. it's well it's that same thing with, with all the songs there's what you're hearing like what you hear the lyrics are yeah what the music sounds like and then there's action and there's what you're feeling mm. which is usually opposite it's sort of it's the same thing that Quentin Tarantino kind of gets credit for like uh Source music-wise, yeah, like with uh, Reservoir Dogs or mm-hmm. whatever, uh, using "Stuck in the Middle" with you with that ear scene, but it's—I don't know—he was doing this way before, where you're hearing a song, and it's imply—you know what it's supposed to imply, yeah, and it's sort of implying the exact opposite, yeah. That's why I love that closing number so much. It, I don't—I'm—I'm I'm a crier anyway, and I'll cry during anything. But uh, I really felt um, the power of, of his love of show business and the people that were in that room with him. Uh, I really felt it at that moment. Mm-hmm. I, I usually don't feel anything like that when it's, let's say, like the end of like Big Fish, because that's as close as I can get to it. Right <laughs> <Okay. now. laughs> and it, all the people of his life are there. Funny enough, they share Jessica Lang. But uh, all the people of his life are, are there at this lake, and I, I just don't really get emotional there but here I understand the importance of everything that's going on and how big this is for him and he's putting on his last show even if it's not you know it's real in his head but it's not real to the to the world yeah I think the difference is in Big Fish everyone's like we, we love you yeah exactly. <laughs> and this is more like we're all here, but everybody has their, their gripe. Yes. They brought it with them, you know? Yeah. So, like, it's honestly saying goodbye to everybody. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. I, um... Yeah, there's one moment that... you're also, like, half uplifted by the the feathers and the boas and all the dancing. And yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's... I mean, it's... Uh, it feels... That's why that last moment, obviously, like, the last... The final moment... The last shot. The first time I saw it was so shocking because I remember thinking, oh, this is a beautiful way to end it, you know? It's bittersweet or whatever. And then the last 10 seconds is, you know, him being zipped up in a body bag and it just crushed. Devastating. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because you don't necessarily know if if this is actually his last moments of life. At least I didn't. I was really hoping, like, oh, he's just, like, it's the final hallucination, it's the big... And everything will just be sad at the end, and mm-hmm. he'll understand that nothing will be as great anymore. He can't give himself to his work as much as he would like to. Um, but it's not that he's just... He dies. Right. It's, it's just the, the best capper. He dies, and then it's... Uh... No business like show oh, business. And what an amazing ending song to put yeah. on there. It's it's so ironic and so cruel and amazing. That I mean Bob Fosse, I'm sad that he could not that he didn't really make another great movie after this. Start eighty is interesting, but it is a mess and misguided. But um this is I think it's his opus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think whenever you know, when you're that Autobiographical and honest, and, and which we re- which we rarely get, we rarely get that in a movie. I haven't seen that, and it happened in a long time. No, when it's that revealing, I mean, it's crazy. I watched it, and I think, man, to 
to reveal those things about yourself. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see how self-loathing, but also mm-hmm. how he makes every character in the movie love him. Yes. Like they're all <laughs> they're all in love with him. They're just disappointed with yeah. him. And and to like even though know, you change the names and you change the events, kind of. And all these people were still alive when he made right. this movie. Yeah. His ex Gwen Verdon was still alive and he had one of his best dancers, Leland Palmer, play his ex wife and she she if if you've seen videos of Gwen Verdon uh, out there that's it's they they're exactly the same person, basically. It's so crazy how close to his life he got it. That's crazy. Um, that that's just a weird I mean, I guess that's what you got to do when you're, you know, making movies. <laughs> yeah, you, but, got, you do have to be honest, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll ask you this question since you brought it up. Uh, when was the first time you saw this movie? First time I saw this movie, I was at film school at University of North Carolina, School right. of the Arts, and I was really yes. sad. <laughs> and, um, it was 8 in the morning. Oh, damn. And I decided to watch a movie in my bed on a Saturday morning. And I watched all that jazz on my laptop. Was it just a random choice? Yeah, right. Well, you know, Roy Scheider was in it. Oh, so, yeah. so that is why I wanted to watch it. it. But I mean, hey, it's he's like an amazing actor. I'll watch him do anything. Yeah, yeah, he was incredible in it. Um, and, and did I, he win the Academy Award for this movie? I don't think so. He did not. No, it only won a few awards, but he should have. But you just decided to watch this movie on a whim. Yeah, just, just you know, it looked interesting. I, I, I watched Cabaret. I really yeah. liked it. And, you know, I liked Roy Scheider. So I watched it, and I was just amazed. And I immediately was telling people it was, like, my one of my favorite movies of all yeah. time. And but, I mean, it is one of those movies, the first time you see it, your whole world is rocked. Yeah. I'd never seen, I've never seen anything like that. And I still haven't. It's kind of... Um, I don't so I, I say that musicals are my favorite like genre yeah of uh, art I guess yeah it's definitely one of, it's one of ours I'm speaking for Caitlin as well but. <laughs> yeah yes God rest her soul yeah rest in peace <laughs> but I miss her so much for me they're rarely and I'm sorry to say they're rarely they rarely work for me yeah but this is an example of one that is like this is what I want them all to be I want them to have this much talent. I want the music to be, you know, uh, sort of of the era, like modern music, but through a filter. You know, it's still like yeah. Broadway arrangements. Mm-hmm. But he's dealing. He's using popular music. Yeah, he does. He uses a lot of, I think, like three or four very popular songs of the day. Yeah. I, this is where I heard my first Harry Nilsson. Is that how I pronounce his last name? Harry Nilsson? Yeah, yeah, it's the first time I ever heard one of his songs in a movie, the first time I saw those. Wait, what scene? Uh, Perfect Day. It's when um, Kate, I think her name is, uh, played by Anne Ranking, comes back to his house and he's sleeping with Victoria. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that scene is... I mean, you, every scene... It, it feels very similar. You know, he, I think he pulled a lot from Cabaret. With yeah, what he did with it, but also, and uh, he learned a lot as well. Yeah, because I think Sweet Charity, the studio, was still over his shoulder on that particular movie. And then, by Cap- once he did Cabaret, get free reign. It's it's yeah, it's really 
you know, the dialogue is really quick. Yeah. As if it's on the stage. Mm-hmm. And it's also how he's cut it. There's mo- there's moments where he's like cut a moment of reaction that like you don't need. Like he says a line of dialogue and then she responds immediately in, in not a natural way. Yeah. In like a stage way. And it's so effective because it's lit like a lot of the scenes are like they're lit naturally, it's like lit like the seventies. Yeah. But it moves like a like a stage musical. Yes, it does, uh, and that's the I guess that's the magic of Bob Fosse. Yeah, uh, and his genius, his genius. Um, I love that this movie shows the the grit of Broadway, um, especially in the rehearsal room when they're rehearsing. It's just the grossest, nastiest, tiniest, sweatiest rehearsal hall. I've ever seen in any movie. Even the beginning scene, mm-hmm. the audition sequence, which I think does it even better. Chorus Line is a two and a half hour musical about the same thing, and I think this does it better. Yeah. <laughs> of how painful it is, how awful it is, how cynical it is. Um, it's great stuff. That opening scene is, in- is incredible with the. What's the song that you On Broadway? On Broadway, yes. Yeah, a live a live performance of On Broadway. So cool. I think, yeah, they use a live one of, of that, and then the Peter Allen song is also a live recording, which is, and you can hear the audience. Like, responding, yeah. yeah. That's so, the, people don't do that. Rarely ever, because it's, it's such a weird thing no, to hear. The only, the only time I, like, I know, uh, there's only one other time I can remember is on Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Paul Mazursky uses, um... The stop making sense version of yes. Uh, what's it called? Shit. Once in a lifetime. No. Yeah. At the end of it. Yeah. At the end of the beginning. Yeah. Man, I'd love to talk about that too. That has Richard Dreyfuss. Uh, yeah, I love Beverly <laughs> Hills. I love Paul Mazursky movies. Um, but those two, those two songs, um, they're very good. They're they're different parts of the scale like on Broadway it's a very ser- not serious but a very tense moment of watching all those dancers and uh, seeing him work mm-hmm. and then when they do everything old is new again it's um, one of the few times you see him like smile or have joy in his life is watching Kate and his daughter just dance for him yeah that's such um, a great moment it's not like they're even trying to impress him they're just trying to get him to just to smile Mm-hmm. And he and we don't get to see him his like reaction. It cuts away. He bows his head, um, sort of like without congratulating them, and yeah. then it cuts away. And that I don't know that I love that because it doesn't change the. It doesn't get schmaltzy. He doesn't yeah. let it. No, it's it's almost as if Bob Fosse, while making the movie, was also afraid of showing his emotions <laughs> fully. But I mean, I would I totally understand that. Um, none of the songs in this movie except for like the one take off with us are original songs um, but I think Bob Fosse makes them so unique in every way especially the three short numbers which are all like old vaudevillian songs during the hospital hallucination stuff um, all that are like a Marx Brothers songs or Fanny Bryce songs but he makes them I feel like they were written at that moment well, he, yeah, he, you know, I found out later that Bye Bye Love was... An Everly Brothers song? An Everly yeah. Brothers song. At first, I thought it was written for the movie. Yeah. But, the, yeah, they're all sort of, like, parody versions of these famous songs. Yeah, they but complete, the subject they matter is so serious. Yeah. 
because it's technically still parody. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't feel cheap at all. No. Um, I want to talk about uh, the women of this movie because it would be it would be not interesting if we didn't talk about them. They are maybe the most important figures in the movie next to Joe, um, since his life revolves around the four. I'll say four. Um, we have um, Leland Palmer, who I already mentioned, playing Audrey, who's his ex-wife, and then Anne Ranking, who is playing herself, which is so crazy to think about, <laughs> um, as Katie, his current girlfriend, and then Elizabeth Fadoli as his daughter. I had to look up that name. Uh, I don't think she's done anything else. Uh, his daughter Michelle, which and is then crazy. and then Jessica Lange, who plays the Angel of Death. Yeah. Um, and I guess they're all his muse, but I always thought it was Jessica Lang is really the main one. He's sort of trying to please death so he can never so he can get far farther away from it. But at one point they just he accepts their relationship and goes to her. I love that first moment he because they don't explain. I mean, obviously, you don't have to when you know. There's a, like a woman dressed in white and sort of yeah. dreamlike <laughs> world. Kind of thought she was some sort of angel. But the the first moment, so he like she says something and he touches the mirror, and then there's a, a one frame shot of him in the hospital bed. Yeah. With the with the mask on, and this is like you know nine minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. it's like oh he's gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. That. that those, I, I, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's good stuff. Um, I love the scene between him and his ex-wife when she's rehearsing her like solo number and mm-hmm. the composer's playing. Uh, it's just, it's so funny and so real. Like you, I imagine that he had fights like that. Yeah, it's, well, one of my favorite things about this movie is how it justifies all the musical numbers in a real world. Yeah. So the dream sequences are just viral because it's a dream. Mm-hmm. And those are the most musical numbers. And then there's the one, you know, he's writing a musical number. So yeah. that's why we see that one. And then that scene feels like a musical number because there's a, a few pieces of dialogue that are timed with the music. Yeah. And it's so well choreographed, even though it's, you know, she seems like she's just improvising. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I you know that it's staged, but it, it does feel like it's coming from her brain. Mm-hmm. And just she's responding to the music. There's one line she says twice, and it's like perfectly timed with the music. It's just insane what he does with those arrangements where they'll whisper a line twice, and then they'll repeat a piece of dialogue. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's just crazy. He's always, like every 30 seconds of a song, he's like reinventing it. Yeah. Um, it's all, she's so great in this movie, Leland Palmer. Um, I love the way she reacts to things that he does, how upset she gets, mm-hmm. how frustrated, most of the time it's frustration, um, and how jealous I think she is of him to have his, his talent. Um, like after she sees um, Take Off With Us, his version of it, um, she um, he he runs to her and is all like they didn't, they didn't like it. Uh, I think it's gonna get cut. 
and then she says, uh, I don't know about the others, but it's the, I think it's the best work you've ever done. And you, she pulls her head up, and she's in tears, and she goes, you son of a bitch, and then runs away. It's uh-huh. one of my favorite moments. Yeah, that moment has um, confused me both times. Yeah. Because it's, it's unclear you know, exactly what's brought her to tears. Mm-hmm. If it's like that it's... Is she jealous... Or you know, does she miss him? I thought I thought it was a mixture of everything, and like including that, like maybe he's trying to sabotage, take it over, yeah. yeah. Scene without her, mm-hmm. yeah. It's it's a complicated relationship, maybe one of the most complicated of the movie. Mm-hmm. On why they're still they're they're obviously still friends, so they can please Michelle um, and keep it nice and clean. There's a, I. Don't know if the divorce between Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon in real life was messy at all, but um, I haven't read the famous autobiography about him. But after seeing this movie, I might. I would. I, I don't read. <laughs> That's uh, what was so interesting about um, uh, the the scene with with her and the scene with his daughter is I wonder that's the only element of this movie where I wonder if if we were to talk to them mm. would they have the same like I would do anything to spend time with you yeah but you won't let me I wonder about that with his daughter how true that is oh yeah because he talks about you know he says he, he stops on the door he's like man I'm such a bad father but you don't really get it you you get a sense that she. No matter, she just wants to spend time with him no matter what. Yeah, well, they have that great scene in the rehearsal studio where they're just, again, it's obviously choreographed, but they are, it looks like so improvised. Yeah. Um, and she's having the time of her life and doesn't want to leave. Right. Um, but I, I couldn't imagine being the daughter of two people who are constantly working, uh, of like a famous stage actress mother and then your famous director father. It must have been crazy. Not fun. No. <laughs> um, are there any standout lines that you have in this movie? Oh, yeah. There's one line that is is the line that made me cry both times. It's um, it's the daughter, what, Michelle, yeah. is singing her solo number in the dream sequence. Yes. About, um, you're going to miss me, Daddy? Mm-hmm. And it's this song, and it's so... You know, bright and whatever. And then she's being wheeled away on the bed and she screams, Please don't die, Daddy! Yeah. And, uh, oh man, every time. Because it con- yeah. it contrasts the song so much. It's like, this, this is a real line. This is like almost something he's hearing. And then like sort of, she's missing, other from the hallucination and that scene, she's missing from, all, from like the hospital montage where all these people are visiting him. Because I, I feel like they try to keep it away from the keep it away from her they didn't want to tell her that her father was really ill yeah there's that line where yeah. she says what's wrong with daddy and the mom it's says exhausted. he's exhausted and she says you're lying to me yeah she says yes <laughs> that is amazing it's the best stuff um I think for like a funny line I would have to pick Wallace Shawn's uh you're gonna be the first Broadway show to make a profit without really opening mm-hmm. and just the way he says it it's so um Sly, and then of course you get really depressed when you realize the producers are betting on Joe dying so they can make money off the show. They're never gonna open. 
Um, yeah, that's so. They, you know, they build those producers up like they would do anything for Joe Gideon. He's a miracle. And then when they find out they can make, you know, half a million dollars, yeah. they don't care. I can't believe. Oh my God! I can't believe we have not talked about the heart attack scene. Um, or the, at the script at the script reading. Oh the table yes. Read, where just the sound goes out and all we hear is him shuffling paper, stomping on cigarettes, breaking a pencil. That is. Incredible. I don't. There's not a lot of movies that do that. There are some, but this is, I think, one of my favorite times it's, it's done. That scene is also that he's the only person he's sharing that moment with is his former wife. Yes, oh, and you can tell uh, in her face that she knows something awful is happening. And of course, they cut to people reading the script, and they're like laughing. <laughs> yeah, they're laughing. These terrible jokes. Yes. <laughs> What's the uh, a friend bought a Mercedes just to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, and then the 40 people just <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. Um, it, would you consider this, I think we already touched upon this, but would you consider if you had to make like a top 10 list or like the AFI is 100, it probably is on there, um, as like one of the great movie musicals? Absolutely. Yeah, and it, I think it justifies it as well in the movie. I mean, in my, in my mind, this is the best movie musical. Yeah. But that's why I'm here. Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> but, I, I mean, obviously there's something to be... Like, I love really meta stuff. Mm-hmm. I also like, you know, really cynical stuff. But that only exists if there's, you know, the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredibly dark and sad, but... It's beautiful. Yeah, it's. We've only see, we've only watched about twenty something movies on this podcast, but this is one of my favorites. I think. I. It makes you feel in many different ways. Some of them awful. Some of them good. Um, but it. It really shows that it's not just one of the great movie musicals, but one of the great movies, of, all time. And, yes. and that list is so long for me but it's it's on there oh yeah I feel like it hasn't I got a sense that it it hasn't been celebrated enough while I was watching it no it's I mean there's like it's on not that like being put on a blu-ray is anything special but I mean it has a criterion release it's on the national registry of films Mm -hmm. uh, the congress library of congress list Um, but I don't it's not something that people talk about and I think because the word musical is attached to it is what scares a lot of... Uh, we talked about this with La La Land last week. Uh, it, it, that was like a big film boy musical. They, were, they thought it was very cool. But I think the word musical attached to this scares a lot of people anyway. Which is disappointing because I think he does work really hard to make it the musical aspect incredibly approachable. Mm-hmm. You know, he hides it within... The characters don't break out into the song yeah. ever. It's only, you know, in his own mind. And that's his preferred style of uh, of directing and producing. He he likes to see musicals. I'm not saying that Lenny is and Star Eighty are lesser films. I've only seen Lenny once, but it's not my favorite of Bob Fosse's movies. Yeah, I know. It's an incredible movie, but um, it he him and his musical format is where I love to see him. Because he just he does different things with the form. I mean, incredible things with it, and that's why he's 
gone down in history as one of the great musical directors. Yeah. That's... Um, but I think also his film career is not as loved as his stage career. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a huge respect for his stage stuff. Mm-hmm. And also there eventually sort of a loss of what the point was yeah. as well. Um, especially with that Chicago remake, you know, thinking about that now, it's just, it's pretty surface mm-hmm. as far as the actual yeah. lust and that's in all, that's in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The inten- you know, a lot of the intense has been watered down. Now. I could only imagine what he would have done with the actual Chicago movie. I can only imagine. It would be great. But he died. Yes, he did die. <laughs> uh, I th- would you want to see this on stage? Um, if he was doing it, yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, so much of it is, like you said, the editing. Yeah. It belong. It it justifies itself that it has to exist as a movie. Right. Um, even though on stage, I could imagine the way things would move and later in his life by the time when he was directing shows there was like nothing on stage it was like just people in leotards so I mean he was able to really make things flow but I couldn't imagine this on a stage no it feels like a movie you know it looks like a movie from the 70s and that's what it was supposed to be uh, you know like Get the same feeling from the conversation, kind of yeah. just the way it looks, mm-hmm. which is so you, you, it's impossible to do anymore mm-hmm. to make something look like that. Um, There's certainly people that try, yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, but I think that's what made the 70s so special, um, yeah. There's I don't know, I don't know what it is. I mean, I because I guess they these were all new risks everybody was taking and the literal film stock yeah. and using all that natural light but yeah it's so much uh, yeah I would just love to be in a film class now uh, where they talk about the 70s and I know there are some especially at Columbia our alma mater yes <laughs> um, where there's a lot of people mostly dudes where they <laughs> where they list these movies from the 70s and I would just love to always interrupt and now say all oh, that jazz is one of those movies yes. I think it is I think there's, there's my alternative not my alternative my list of 70s movies that I cherish and I love and I think that they speak to the period but also transcend the period stuff like being there mm-hmm. um, I think they, they live on and are able to work today when you see them for the first time uh, yeah, I love Hal Ashby. Also died. Shout out to Hal Ashby. Very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out if you're listening. Who may, who had one of the great arcs of the '70s? Truly, yeah. yeah. And ended. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Went after I think there's nothing after being there. No. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, that's a great point. Putting this in that same catalog of those, you know, those like five. Masculine directors, yeah. One of which directed Star Wars. Uh-huh. Uh, I I think this deserves to be included because honestly, the subject matter is even the same. Yeah, it's about a very sad, uh, cynical man, um, 
in sort of a dirty world. Yeah. I would I would love to see this on a screen. I would love to have been there the first time an audience saw this movie. Yes. Um, so I mean I would love to have been a can in, in 1980 or whatever and have sat there and watched it for the first time um, and just to have been taken away by it I can only imagine I've watched it on a laptop twice now yeah so have I Not. I know I watched it on a silent TV once but laptop yesterday and I it was amazing still but I would love to see it let's try to get the music box to play it yes <laughs> that'd be great so that's kind of the point of this. Is to get the we music, want to commission the music the box, box to play all that jazz on print, please. Sometimes if we, if we could. Summer, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love it tomorrow. Tomorrow would actually be uh, best for me. Honestly. Yeah, it'd be good for me, too. Yeah. I, I don't have to work, and I, I'll put down the money. I will pay twice if I have to. Yes. But I'd love to see it. Gabriel, any final thoughts? Um, I would have loved to see Richard Dreyfuss play the part. It would have been very different. It would have been a really different movie. <laughs> I still think it would have been great. Yeah. Um, but I think it would have been a different movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I would have loved to see Robert Shaw play the part. Do you just want the whole, whole cast? <laughs> I want to see everyone from Jaws play. It. I would love to have seen uh, the mother of the son that gets eaten by the shark. By the shark. Yeah, the local actor. From yeah. Uh, Upstate Martha's Man. Vineyard. Yeah, would love to have seen her play Joe Gideon. Joe Gideon, that would have been great. Uh, and even the mechanical shark. Even Bruce, the mechanical shark. You know, uh, probably would have worked more. Yeah, I'd have to see. Uh, I think all I have to say about it is honestly, I don't think there are a lot of people who listen to us. The three people that do um, have seen the movie, and I urge them, please. Watch it. It's an experience you will never forget. Ever. And I typed it in on Google, <laughs> and it came up free, so, yeah. Oh, did it? Yeah, it oh, was wow. on this free website somehow. Oh, wow. I had to, like... Where did you find it? Well, I torrented it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I did the bad thing. I could have paid for it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, watch it even if it's illegal. Yeah. I'll send it to you. Sure, he's got it. Thank yeah. God. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, listeners. You can follow The Great Blight Way on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we don't have an email. Don't email me, please. Um, but once again, I'm Ryan Kenny. That was Gabriel Gundacker. And uh, usually we have Caitlin Looney, but she's dead now. Thanks. Bye-bye, love. Bye-bye, sweet caress. Hello. Like I could die. About buy your life goodbye. Bye bye my life goodbye. About buy your life goodbye.